just uh, for uh, 15 minutes, yeah, 10-15 minutes at Shabbos, a brief synopsis of Shabbos, if it's okay with you? Yeah. Please, all right? Just... Coach Willer can him say, hey, Betty get better gay. Oh, but for it. He was here and left, he never did. Uh, and it's my fault, it was my fault. That being, I'm the blame, it's like my fault. I was an honors, but I'm not claiming honors. You missed the beauty. It wasn't Bipshia because everything was in moderation. And nevertheless, I had to, sometimes it was just, you know, I'm schlafnished. Good. Good. Uh, quickly, yeah? Do it quickly. Mamish, quick, quick. I can do it quick. You finished? <laughs> <laughs> okay. The Rogit Shover explains why we highlight that she's a zona. She's a harlot. Of course, there are many Mephorshim who say zona and the, the Mephorshim, you know, the, or your standard commentaries, uh, call it, uh, uh, the, <laughs> define, explain uh, the, the term zona. Isha Zoina, that she's an innkeeper. Okay? Uh, nevertheless, others say it means literally. Uh, and the question is, why is that highlighted in the parasha? In the, in the Navi. Now, when the Navi describes her, maybe because that's the way she was known. But what is interesting is, even more uh, questionable, is that in Terek Vav, where Yeshua tells the Miraglim, you know, when you're going to conquer, and you have to conquer, you just make sure to say that Isha Zoina. So Yahushua is describing her as the Zoyna. So it's glad that Bisnish. And the fact is, I mentioned that the Takeut would seem from a Sikhta Zvachin of Kuftas Zayin on the base that she was Taka Zayna. And Zoyna means not innkeeper. Zoyna means, even though Zoyna, the reason why they call Zoyna an innkeeper is because Zoyna is Meloshin Mozin. That is sustenance, food, etc. That's why she's called a Zoyna. And that's why certain Mephorshim, I think it's the Ralbag or the Abarbanel or the Radak, one of them, they combine both and they say, they, that for a fee they give it do what they both do the same. That for a fee they give their clients a service. So I'll call upon him. Uh, but from the Gemara in Zvachim, the Zainim, the is borrowed that she was a Zainim because she was 10 years of age when she left Egypt and for 40 years she, she was a Zainim. I'm just doing a brief synopsis of the Shabbos in honor of the Talmud movie. Talking about ammunition. Yeah, good, becoming that. Uh, and uh, yeah, after 50 years of age, she converts. Okay, the outcome. That's one thing the Rogat Shovers uh, will reconcile for us. Uh, and then he also will explain for us some fine details in the wording of the Psukim. Okay, the Rakhjavar just starts introducing the Teisvis and Megillah of Yudala Domut Base. The Teisvis says, and this is something which we have to push it. We know that they can't, they, they're saving her, right? What right do they have? So, firstly, the Gemara says, the Gemara says in the Megillah of Yudala Domut Base that he, that Yehoshua uh, has a converted and marries her. That's what the Gemara says in the Megillah of Yudala Domut Base. And the fact is that there are four, eight, they have eight children, and they, be, they are the eight prophets which come out of Yehoshua and Rochav Azoyna. It's a Mephurushi Gemara, and it's a Megillah Fidal Adam Adbeis. It's no man to Omrim, a Mephurushi Gemara. Which, uh, by the way, she was after 50, and according to certain commentaries in the Seder Adir, she is, most, uh, most opinions say, I don't know if I said the Shabbos, most, I don't remember what I said. No, most opinions say she was 32 years older than her. And uh, many opinions say she was 46 years older than her. So she was, after 50, he converts her and he marries her. So just how old is he? Figure it out. Good. And they have eight kids, and they all become prophets. And we're going on. So Teisvis basically says, Teisvis has a kasha. Teisvis of Mesechna Megillah, the Fidala Domit Beis, asks, Eisen Akasha, it says, Loisis Chaten Bom. 
Now she's living in Yericho. Yericho is one of the, the, the seven nations which, which they had to, so the Torah says you shouldn't marry them, right? You aren't a lot of, uh, uh, yeah. Toysta says, was your father here? No. Okay. So we're doing a brief synopsis of Shabbos for those who weren't there. It doesn't mean to say you should, you're not invited. You're invited. If you can't make it. Anyway. Are we going to spend the whole show today on it? No, we can't disappoint those who are here. No, it's fine. We'd like the revision. For you, but I don't know. After all, okay, we'll try our best. Okay. Slicha. I'm afraid it's not going to come Wednesday, that's why. Or you. I'm sorry. No, no. It's fine. With the parts which you... I told you, you have to say the extras today. Okay, I'll do that. In your honor. So I'll just have to... Listen what I said, I didn't say. This is not the mice. Okay, so this should be an extra, right? I said the third yeah, the 46 was an extra, right? That was extra. That was an extra. Good. Baruch Hashem. I'm coming up to another extra. So Toysbe says, says, according to Mesich the Yevamas Dafayim Vov, it says, Lois is chatin, but you aren't allowed to marry from the, 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 the seven nations, even after you've converted them. And if that's the case, because Rachav Azoyno lives in Yericho, she's one of the seven nations. So if that's the case, if, even after Yehoshua converts, what right does he have to marry now, interestingly, the Iyun Yankif, in his Pirush on the En Yankif, he was one of the Gdoli Haposkim, we, mentioned him, we had mentioned him in the past, the Bala Mechaber Sefer Chok Yankif on Hilchas Pesach, the Bala Mechaber Pirush Teres Hashlomim on the Sefer Teres Chatzah. I'm not showing off, I'm just letting you know how important he is. And he partook in Fanemtzach, he has analysis of the Agadic Lokim of the Shas in the En Yankif, but he's one of the Poskim. And Bala Mechaber Shavis Yitzhub is Shvus Yaakov. You have to excuse myself for the doctor now. <laughs> it's a brief synopsis of Shabbos for those who weren't here and for those who were here to fill you in some Inyanim because the time was short. Because I came late. Okay, so with, your, with permission, with your permission. Okay, thank you. And I hope the Emir Hashem continue on with the start of the year, which we were meant to say today. Do you think I don't have a share prepared? You know, listen, I want to tell you something. Maybe I should say the share I prepared for today and say this at the end. Yeah. Maybe that's fair to no. you, right? No, otherwise, you'll use it for Wednesday. No, 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 no. I can deal with you. I won't use it for Wednesday. <laughs> don't worry. Do you think yeah. I'm only learning the Rogachava for you? You have no idea. It's Parshat Mechaya Nefesh. You don't even understand. Definitely. I mean, it's not just for you. I appreciate that I have it to, to share it with. Please excuse me. What's, what's with you? Okay. So the Ion Yankiv says, and the Swasem says it on his own in Mesichta Megillah, and he says, you know, there's even a more, more of a major problem with how Yeshua marries and lives with Rachav Hazoyna. It says in the Torah, So you basically have to wipe them out and erase them off the map. So how does he convert her and uh, live with us? So they say, whatever you will find, whatever reconciliation you will find for what right they had to have her remain alive. Not really here. You weren't here. Okay, but this is a continuation of Shabbos. I said it, I keep on saying it. How many times I said it? Ten times? Okay. Yeah? So the same as reconciliation will say for the Lysus Chatein Bomb. And they don't go into the details. 
Okay, now Toysu is going back to this, how Yeshua was able to marry her even after conversion. Yeah, I just want to bring to your attention, there is a Machlokes Arishonim, even though maybe I should elaborate on it about, but I won't. If you will take out, and I think I said the Shabbos, the Sefer Enayim La Mishpat from Harav Ariyeli, in the Sikhti Yevam Yevav, he already brings to our attention the Shittas Arishonim, and not all Rishonim agree. Some are of the opinion that from the seven nations, after you convert them, and they're converted, you may live with them, and the prohibition, the transgression of Lesus Chatenbom, not to marry them, doesn't apply. And that may be the Shittas Arambam, that is the Shittas Arambam, according to yeah, the way it seems, etc., both in Hilchas Molochim and also with Hilchas Surabia. Uh, also, the, in, this, in, the, in the Sifri, uh, Sifri Zuta, and I mentioned this, both in the Sifri and the Sifri Zuta, it's obvi- quite obvious that they learned that Rochav uh, Zoyna was from the seven nations. Uh, 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 and the Amvua de Sefri, Ravolf Yoskovich, uh, Zev Yoskovich, I didn't mention the Shabbos, in his commentary on the, in the Sefri Zute, tells us to look into the Lecha Mishnah, and there he elaborates on this issue in the Shittas Arishonim. But Taisus approaches it as follows. The Rogachover understands that this, its source is in the Bahag, right, and this we mentioned. Bahag, the Baal HaLocha is Gedolois, in Hilchas, in the standard, your standard editions, it is found in Hilchas Nachlois, in the Hildesheimer edition, I mentioned the Shabbos, it is found in Hilchas Shiva Amomin. And there the Bahag says as follows, we can say that Rochav Hazoyna is not from the Shiva Amami. She wasn't from the Seven Nations. She came from some other country and came and settled in Yericho. Did you mention Mitzrayim before? That's a a Gemara in Zemachim. Excuse me. Okay, but then there's the same thing. Yeah, yeah, I said there's a Sefri Mufurish. I just said there's a Mufurish Sefri which says, etc. that Rechav Azoyne is from the Shiva Amami. So I'm telling you what the Bahak says. The Bahak says... Now, they ask the Kasha on the Bahag. It right. seems she's from the Shiva Amomi. Right. And they try somehow to reconcile it. But this is what the Bahag says. Yeah. And if the Bahag says it, good enough for us. And basically, Toysbis says so, without quoting the name Bahag, but so he says that uh, she wasn't from the Shiva Amomi. And therefore, that gave an allowance to, to, to Yeshua to have her converted and live with her. Uh, Toysbis goes on to give another reconciliation for those who are interested. Go look into the Toysbis. Uh, uh, mentions that it was Yeshua marries her even though she was from the seven nations nevertheless what gave him the right after conversion HaKadosh Baruch Hu allowed him mm. what is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu that's not a mitzvah say. that's not a mitzvah say. that's the same one who said you're not allowed said to you you're allowed Okay? Apesha Asuro Apesha Hitim. So it's not a gender of Esau de Cholosa say. Okay? And what is interesting, Harav, I think I mentioned this, the Ur Hayoshor in Mesichtas Vorchim, the Fkufta Zayin Omid Beis, based on this Toysus and Mesichta Soita, that it was according to Alpiha Dibur, and it's very possible that the Amishwal didn't know of it. Therefore, when Yehoshua passed away, they wouldn't really want to, they didn't appreciate to eulogize him, because they didn't like Bechlala's whole. Shidduch, this Shidduch that he married, the convert, etc., etc., and he had, in that age, and uh, he has eight, eight children there, thereafter, all of that, they didn't go for it, and therefore, and it brings, because it was Alpiyad Dibur, they weren't aware that there was an allowance, Kodesh Baruch allowed him, they thought, what's going on here? So, that's his take on it, there, Ayosher is Arav Hillman from London, 
known, one of the known Mephorshim of the Shas, Harav Herzog's son. Okay. We're going on. So the Rokhachavar has to introduce this as his premise. In other words, we're following with the sheet of the Bahag. The Bahag says definitely there is initially, in principle, he was allowed to convert Rokhav Azoyna and live with her because she's not from the Shiva Amomin. And that's an important fact in the whole picture, the whole issue. Because if she was from the seven Canaanite nations, so then there would be a major problem and all the issues. The only reason is that she was allowed because she's not from the Shiva Amomin. And with that, he explains the term found. Mm, I'm just. A brief synopsis of Shabbos with, uh, with uh, some additions. Okay? With permission. Oh boy, Sigit Farallah. Never. Sinishe, no, I feel bad for the guys. Okay, I'm going to have to make it fast. I'm going to make it quick. Yeah, speed it. Okay. Uh, he explains a term found in the, in the Bahag. He says, Ristika hoiso, Ristika, and this is also found in the Itzaragoinim quoted in the Sikhta Megillah, and uh, the, in the Enikol, the, the grandchild, when the professor was asleep, I said this, right? Correct? You remember that comment? Okay, good. Okay, a lot of prof- professors, so therefore wasn't the problem. You no one knew exactly who I meant. You woke up after that. Oh, no. Because <laughs> yeah. I said professor, I said asleep. Someone nudged him. <laughs> Okay, by the Rebbe's Fabrangians, you know, the Rebbe used to Fabrang all afternoon. 1.30, and got a lot of hard-working men throughout the week, and they came to the come for the rank for the respect of the Rebbe, and they wanted to learn. They wanted to learn but some of them just was, it was inevitable, it was just beyond them, they fell asleep. And you have no idea, sometimes, if someone used to bite their nails in the middle of the rank, the Rebbe said, the bites on the neck, and Shabbos. So that was out of the blue, no one knew who he was speaking to. But the Rebbe saw a thousand, at least a thousand people, right? Someone's cut biting their nails in front of his face. But then the ones who were falling asleep, you know, sometimes the Rebbe just, his, he just you know, looked down and they knew very well to give him, I say, wow, from Al-Azaytan. It was such a Rahmanus on the guy. It was a pity on him. That's why most of us, men, mo, most of us didn't sit. They, we stood by the brains in order not to fall asleep. Okay, let's go. Uh, excuse me. Yeah, Ristico. You spoke about it. But yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. She came with her family. She came with her family, her mother, her father, her brother, she, her sister, Baal, brother, her sister. They all came and settled in Yericho. Okay, let's move. Ristika, so according to, and he brings to our attention the Orach HaSholem, who says, we, I don't know exactly what the type of Ristika is, uh, uh, Hildesheimer, who is a grandchild of uh, Rav Hildesheimer, Hildesheimer he, he edited this, uh, his edition of Halachas uh, Deulis, he brings the Orach HaSholem, he doesn't know Pshat anyway, he doesn't like it, doesn't know, he didn't see the Rogachover, of course, but the Rogachover says, Ristika, what does Ristika mean? It means someone who is out of town, not from the city. Basically, it's a Loshan, which is found some other way, that's like an Ish Kapfrani, someone from a Kfar, or the outskirts of the city, something like that. Okay, that's the Lashon of the Bahad. But Cholo'i from the Rogachover starts saying as follows. The, we say that she lives in the wall, right? That's what it says, that she lets them down the rope, out of the window, and she goes, and she's out of the, they're out of the, she, and the, and the Chumash, the, 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 the Novi describes that she's Be'ir Of course, many Pashtonim, the, the Pshat Meforshim say, the reason why the, it's described that she's living there because they're trying to explain that that's one of the reasons they met up with her and stayed by her besides that she was an innkeeper besides etc because she's on the border of the city therefore this is the first person they meet up with therefore etc so that's why it's said she lives in the wall etc now uh, 
We mentioned also, like the Gemara says in the that that when she to live in a wall, you have to realize that wall will have some thickness because the Gemara says that the thickness of the wall was the same thickness of the height. So there was some she had some apartment there, etc., etc. Okay, she's living in the wall. The Radak says there that you should know she had a home in the city and she also lived in the city. The Torah said the Nabi only says she's also living in the wall, right? But uh, the, the Merkava Samishna, for instance, he yeah, I mentioned a couple of things of the Merkava Samishna. I will not. If I would have not, I should prepare it. But he has a gewaltic take on, on this whole picture. The Merkeva Samishna has his own ap- approach to this thing, and he also approaches it halakhically. The Merkeva Samishna is the known Merkeva Samishna on the Rambam. Merkeva Samishna, he also wrote a pirush on a, a, a goddess and the Haftaris, published by Mosadar of Cook, if I recall correctly, anyway, whatever. But his approach is that because uh, it was Kholev and Pinchas, and Pinchas was a coin, so therefore they had to have to live in a place where they were sure that there were no uh, fetuses. A nafel. Is it not a nafel? Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Fetuses. Where, and, the, and the facts were that they, they, they used to th- hide, <coughs> bury the fetuses in the homes, etc., or beneath the homes, and therefore there would be a shaila about Tumba Vatara and Pinchas was a coin. They were one of the two, he was one of the two messengers, uh, the scouts, or whatever you call them, the Muraglim. The they made it there for. Going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're not talking about yeah. it. So they had to make sure there were no fetuses. So they're coming to the wall, and the wall is not going. Okay, we're not going into details, please. I'm sorry. I told you before. I've been honest. I'll say it again. I didn't prepare it. So I don't remember the proti proti, but the general, I just glimpsed at it and looked at it. I didn't breathe it. I didn't read it. I didn't read it. I just glimpsed at it. So I'm just saying the general thing, what he says. But maybe Tainas, that's where they have, they brings rice and chokas from the Shas and the Mishnah, that the ones in the wall were always cleansed, clean from fetuses, etc., etc., because that was the outskirts of the city. And he says, Dafka, she lived in the wall because she was appointed to look after in the fortress. The fortress had all the, all the ammunition. That's why it's called. She was called Rokhav Hazoyinu, Milosh, and Kleizayin. And that's why she's a zayn, she's not a harlot, and she's not an innkeeper. She looked after the fortress, because that's where the klezayn was stored, and normally it's stored in the fortress. That's where she lived there, that's his whole take. Yeah, very gishmak, a nice gang in the whole thing. The Merkeva Samishna on after is if you're interested, I can come and photocopy it. Okay, we're going on. So the Rokhachover time is, so we see that we're highlighting that she lives in the wall. Why? So the Rokhachover says as follows. The fact is that uh, if she would have lived in the city, right? She would have been part and parcel of the city, and therefore whatever was, was decreed on the city, she would have been caught up with. And that would have been decreed upon her too. And therefore, uh, and we see, we, we learn clearly in, in Perig Vav of Yehoshua, that Yehoshua says that every individual, both Ish, Ve'isha, and Zokein, Ve'taf, I forgot already the description of the Pesuk, and the Pesuk basically describes that Yehoshua wants everybody erased from the city, and also all the booty shouldn't be touched, and that should be consecrated to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and all the living beings should be wiped out. So if Rochav Azoyinu, even not being one of the Canaanites, right? Even being from a, a different country, a different nation, <laughs> nevertheless being in the city, she becomes caught up and becomes part and parcel of the city. She is in this Belshana Rogachover, she is in this battle Alehen. And that is a halachic concept that one is in this battle to the city, a Yochid and a Tzibur. So a Yochid has no identity, loses his identity. He's part and parcel of the city. Therefore, it is highlighted in the in the in the Haftorah that she lives bekir hachoyma. What's the chiddush of living bekir hachoyma? So here, the Rogachava, I've started to talk as follows: that the Rogachava Bachlal has this lengthy exposition and lengthy analysis 
uh, and he brings, I believe, between 10 and 15 Mekuris and Shas. And he, he, he records that, uh, not so much here, but in his commentary on Parshas Vayera, and also in, uh, in his commentary on uh, Misef Tamakis, uh, in Daf Ches, where there he brings close to, from between 10 and 15 Mekuris and Shas, where we deal with, with fences and borders and waterways which serve as borders, uh, etc., and boundaries. And basically, in all these cases, like just as for, for, for instance, in relation to Eruvi uh, Chatzeris and Shabbos, but carrying out from a public domain to a, to, to a, a, a domain which is uh, where there are many, and from a private domain. So the question is, where does the private domain start? So the Gemara discusses that if it's beyond the door, beyond the threshold, within the threshold. How about if you're in the threshold, right? What kind of halacha does that have? Does it have a halacha of the... Of the Chotzer does a halach of the Rishus Ayochit. The same applies to the to the to the to the wall, the Chaimes Ahazoro, and the Chaimes Yerushalayim. You have to eat Masasheni in Yerushalayim. You can't eat Masasheni out of Yerushalayim. So the wall. What kind of halach does the wall of Jerusalem have? If you sit on the wall and you're eating Masasheni, is that as if you're in the city? So there again, the Chazal discuss. You're sitting on the halachis. You have to eat consecrated meat. The carbonates, you have to eat in the Azorah, in the courtyard of the Azorah. The Choymas Azorah, you can't eat it out of the Azorah. So how about if you're sitting on the Choymas Azorah, what kind of does the Choymas Azorah have? The same applies, he speaks about the relation to the Miraglim, the borders of Yerushalayim. So what are the borders of Yerushalayim? Are the borders, the waterways of Yerushalayim serve as a border for Yerushalayim, between Yerushalayim and the other countries, right? And the diaspora. So the question is, the borders of Yerushalayim have a lot of Yerushalayim, or does not have a lot of Yerushalayim? <laughs> What is, what is the gather of borders? So again, he brings Chazal to the three opinions. One opinion says that the border has Allah of Chutzloros. One opinion says that Allah has Allah of Eretz One opinion is that it's a separate entity, not Chutzloros, not Eretz Yisrael. He brings from Talmud, of course, Babylon, Yerushalmi, etc. The same he speaks. Now, this discussion is not just in relation. Same goes with fences, right? If someone, if someone has a fence between two courtyards. So the question is the, the actual place of the fence, the actual boundary. Whose is it? Is it half to the one fellow or half to the others? Right? With two partners. Is it, or is it all of theirs? Or it's none of theirs? And if something is found on the border, or does it belong to, etc. So that's disgusting. Talmud Yerushalmi, the end of Mesech Tabab Mitzia, and Mesech Tabab Mitzia, Daf Kovzayin, etc., etc. This applies not just to boundaries in phys- the physical sense, but also applies to boundaries in time. Twilight. That's what we said, twilight, right? Ben Hashemoshes. Twilight. What is twilight? Is it day or night, or is it not day and not night? Is it a new mitzvah, etc., etc.? So all of that he queries. Says the Rogat Shover, but over here there's a psak halachim In relation to the wall of a city, a walled city, right? <coughs> There's a Mephurish Mishnah, he says, Kan Nifseka Halach, and that's actually the Halach of the Rambam too. The Mishnah says in the Sikhta Erech and Daf Lamed Base, the Gemara says there's a special criteria in the, we learn in Chumish, in there's Bote Chatzeres and Bote Are Choyma, right? Homes, if you buy in, an, in a walled city in Eretz Yisrael, so those, uh, there's the special regulations if one sells a home in a walled city, if one sells a home in, a, in an open city, and there's special regulations in relation to buying and selling a home in a walled city up to what time you can you redeem it after the 12 months, etc., etc. Okay, so that's found in the, in the Mishnah, in the uh, and in the Ramah, Melch Shmuit, the Yevel, very good base. So the Mishnah says there's a machlokes between Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Yehuda about a, 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 a home in the wall, right? What kind of criteria is it? Is that regarded as a, a home in within the walled city, or is it not regarded as a home within the walled city? 
Do I sound repetitious or it's good for those the reviewers, okay? Good chazorah, Baruch Hashem. Okay. I'm trying to add. There's not much in Stama Amerim, but okay. No. Next. Weiter. Good. So there's a machloik to the Rav Shimon. What is interesting, the machloikis is based on a definition of our apostle. The Gemara brings an erich in that moment base. What is the basis of the argument? So it's the Gemara. It says, by, in, the, by, in Yehoshua, period base. She lives b'kira choyma. Uba choyma hi Yehoshavas. So Rav Shimon says, what's this repetition? B'kira choyma. She lives b'kira choyma in the wall of the city. Uba choyma hi Yehoshavas. Says Rav Shimon. Uba choyma hi means, and she lives within the walled city. It's regarded as if she's living within the walled city. That's b'kira choyma hi Yehoshavas. And Rabbi Yehuda says, no, b'kira choyma hi Yehoshavas means that she lives in the wall. So the wall is not like she's within the wall. But maybe it says the Rogi Chover, here's a Mephurushim, and the Psakalocha is like Rabbi Yehuda in the Rambam. So but maybe it says the Rogi Chover, here's a Mephurushim Psakalocha, that when you're in the wall of a walled city, you're not regarded as if you're in the city. Okay? But maybe therefore Rochav Azoyna has to live, that's why it's highlighted, that she's living in the wall in order that she shouldn't be in his battle to the city. Here comes the Rogi Chover, he's Mechadosh HaChidosh Godel, and he says, and he explains why we're calling her Rochav Azoyna, and she has to be a harlot. She has to be Dafka Harlot, and the Rogachover accepts to say that she is not married. Like someone asked me, and if she is a Zoyna, she can't be married. I'll call upon him, she's a Zoyna, and according to the Rogachover, she's not married. Uh, I saw already someone, one of them before Hashem say, it's a Dover Poshut, because when she requests of the messengers, some addition I'm giving now, when she requests of the messengers, it's a pellet that I remember, because Manish, that wasn't, it wasn't so Poshut that I was saying to share. Anyway, uh, the, the, I'm not bragging. I'm just actually scratching my like if I'm thinking about you know if if all that was I'm sorry you know. Uh, that's what it is basically. Uh, so uh, so they say Poshet when the request of the messengers of the of the Miraglim to save her family what she asks for a father a mother a brother a sister not her husband her kids. No husband and no kids. You can say she didn't care for her husband, she didn't care for her kids. You can say that. But I'll call upon him, she's not married. Why must we say she's not married? And the Rogi Chavez says, And here we come to her sister. Yes, sure. She didn't ask for her children to be saved. She asked for her mother, her father, her brother, and sister. If she would have had children, she would have asked for her children also to be saved. And if she had a husband? Let's say she had no children. How about a husband? Excuse me, that's exactly what we just said now. So I said, she doesn't request talk about saving her husband because she didn't have a husband. But you can say she's a Zayna, she finished her husband. But her eyes, she's a Zayna. Of course you can say that. That's correct. And maybe she did have a husband. But children is not relevant. More of the husband is more relevant to us than the children, okay? I mean, in relation to the topic we're discussing. But I'm just saying, so either way, there's really no proof on what she said. But I'll go on, that's what the Rokhachovah takes it for granted. He says, Posh, not. It could be, whatever. But Cholayfman, he says as follows. He says, when it comes to the sister, we find an interesting thing. When we come to the sister, she requests of the, of, of the messengers, save my father, my mother, my brother, and my sister. Some say it's sisters, plural, singular, whatever, depends on how you read it or how, how it's written, okay? Good. Achosai or Achyoisai. Yeah, okay, right. But it's either written Achyoisai or read Ach... Yeah, but it's one of them is written Achotai. Achoti. Achoti. There's a Cree and a Xiv there. Okay, so anyway, the Mayor Simchim, the Vinskul, where the Meshachachma says, yeah, she may have had two sisters, whatever. Zolzai. So one was from a father, one from a mother. Gesheften. 
Vaitov. She has a sister. When, nevertheless, when the messengers absolve themselves from the Shvua and repeat the Shvua, we'll soon discuss those in a moment, we see that they mention only the father, the mother, the brother, and the sister is omitted. Why is the sister omitted? What's going on here? And here the Rokhachevah comes up with the singing as follows. Rokhachevah says that a mechitza, here we go with the mechitza. We just finished discussing that the wall is not part and parcel of the city, right? The question is, good, it's not part of the city, but is it out of the city? It's not in the city, but is it out of the city? And the Rokhachevah has basically this chidush, and he proves it from Eloshon Rambam. This is what we said. The Rambam in Hilchus Maisa HaKarbonus explains as follows. He says there are two halachas. One halacha is you have to eat the korbonis in the azor, in the courtyard. There's another halacha that if the meat of the korbonis go out of the courtyard, it becomes unfit, invalidated. You can't eat it. It becomes possible. And each one is based on the apostle. One is based on what it says, the boss or pachutz or whatever, I guess the Lushna apostle. They're all based on psukim, right? So the korbonis you have to eat in the azor, and the meat cannot be taken out of the azor. If it does, it becomes unfit, invalid. Now, the Loshina Rambam says the Rogachova, look at the reading, the language of the Rambam, you'll see an interesting thing. When he speaks about needing to eat in the Azorah, he says you have to eat it within the Azorah. In the Azorah, right? When he says don't take it out, he says don't take it out of the Choymas Azorah. And if it's taken out of the Choymas Azorah, the wall of the Azorah becomes unfit. Says the Rogachova, listen to this, fellows. He says when it comes to a fence or a border or a boundary, Right? So the boundary is loyho loyho. He says as follows. A boundary incorporates both the outside and the inside. And therefore it doesn't have a criteria not of the inside and not of the outside. Okay? The matter therefore, he says, take the chonas azorah, the wall of the azorah. When the halacha demands of you to eat it in the azorah, you cannot eat it on the wall of the azorah. Because if you eat it on the wall of the azorah, you're not in the azorah. You're out of the azorah. So therefore, you cannot eat kochim on the, when you're sitting on the wall of the Azor. You have to sit in the Azor. Therefore, the Ramam says, when you're eating the bus or kochim, you have to sit in the Azor. When the Ramam is telling us, Aloha, that you shouldn't take the meat out of the Azor, he says, don't take it out of the choymas Azor. And if you take it out of the choymas, the wall of the Azor, it becomes unfit. Because when it comes, we're talking about taking it out. The Aloha is, you know, you have, the pro, pro, problem with it is that it not just doesn't, shouldn't, doesn't, it's, it has to be in. Right? It has to remain inside. No, the, the terrorist intent is it shouldn't be taken outside. In other words, we can look at it two ways. Does it have to be inside or it shouldn't be outside? Right? So that's what it depends. Where you have to be in, you can be on the wall. Where you, you mustn't be out, you can be on the wall. Right? If in order to be regarded as out, you have to be beyond the wall, outside of the wall. So Alderach said the Rogachover says here too. Says the Rogachover, as follows. If Rochav was married, even living in the wall, she would have been regarded as part and parcel of the city because she would have been this battle to her husband. Right? Because every woman is part and parcel of her husband. So if her husband is one of the Knanites, right? He's a Knani and she's married to a Knani. So the Kanani lives in the city. If the Kanani lives in the city and he's meant to be eradicated, like and she's married to him, so you can live in the city. So you can live in the wall from today till tomorrow. So the garnished husband is not going to help you. Because even though you're not regarded as if you're in the city, but you're not out of the city. And because you're not halakhically regarded as if you're out of the city, so therefore you become this battle to your husband. And you become part and parcel of it. And on that he brings a Gvaldic thing. 
he brings, uh, on this, excuse me, on this he, he brings the Rambam in Hilchas Avodah Zorah. What the Rambam says in Hilchas Avodah Zorah as follows. The Rambam says, and that's a novel psak of the Rambam, the Rambam paskins in Hilchas Avodah Zorah, that in, uh, by the Ir Hanidachas, in Hilchas Avodah Zorah, Perekdan, by Ir Hanidachas, where you have a city where the majority of the people are serving idols, and they, these are Yidin, right? Yidin, serving idols. And they go, they, they, they meet the, the criteria of Iran, Dachas, whatever they are, the regulations. So the din is that we wipe out the city. So the, the men are beheaded, right? And the Gemara says, the, the, the Rambam says, and the women and the children of those who worship the idols are also killed. That's what the Rambam says. And there's a big major controversy. I didn't el- elaborate on this on Shabbos. But there's a major controversy in Das where the Rambam got this from. The Rambam says that women and children of those who served the idols are also killed together with those who served idols. Where did they get it from? And not in vain, the case of Misha tries to find some occurrence for it. And it's, it's big time because in the Igrois Harameh, in other words, one of the Rishonim already have problems with this Rambam, and he says, I don't understand this Rambam. Where does the Rambam get it from? That the women who didn't serve the islands, and the children who don't, they're not punishable, they're minors. Nevertheless, they should be killed if the what? If their father, if their husband served the idols. And uh, mm, the Migdal Ois, who is the Talmud Horajba on the, on the Rambam, brings to our attention already the Tshubal Achach Milunil, where we find that they try to find a proof and substantiation for this, that women are dragged along and the children are dragged along, and that is, in other words, it's also punishable. They bring a raya from Dafke from Adas Kerach. One of the psukim, we're learning Parshas Kerach. In Parshas Kerach, it says that when Kerach goes, so everybody who's standing along with him, and who's standing along with him, his wife and his children, etc., etc. So the Prichodosh, in his Pirush Chaim, says there's no proof from there. Because maybe his wife will command of it like Kerach command of it. In other words, she sinned and rebelled, just like Moshe Kerach rebelled. So therefore, she actually actually served. She, she, was, she, 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 she was deserving of it. But there's no proof from there that when someone doesn't rebel, nevertheless, it's punishable. So the Prichodosh doesn't like that proof. And also the other proofs of the Bigdaloyes, he brings from other places in Tanakh where we see it seems that it goes along, etc. The women and the children go along. Uh, the Prechadash, listen, the Prechadash wants to say it's a toss-off from in the Rambam. Mistake in the Rambam. He just edits the Rambam. He says, forget it. Something wrong with it. No good. No good. Prechadash. Now, in the Seder Mishneh, not so partial, I didn't speak about the Shabbos. In the Seder Mishneh from Rav Wolf Baskovich, who, uh, who, uh, one of the big oinim, he's a son of the Machtas HaShekel. Oisay Tzadik, the son of the Machzus HaShekel, etc. So there he has a Gewaldik Echibur on Rambam called Seder Mishnes, uh, in many sections of the Rambam. And there he brings the Prechodesh and he says, I'm sorry, just to edit this Rambam and erase this Rambam. Listen here, already the Rishonim bring already the text of the Rambam. They were mamish within the close range of the Rambam, so if they had it in their text, it's definitely a valid text, and it has to read that way, etc., etc. And therefore, he goes and substantiates the Rambam, and he brings proof from different places for the Rambam, etc., etc. And definitely what the Rambam says is correct. Uh, interestingly, there are two ways of approaching and how to understand this Rambam. If I recall correctly, uh, the Mirchaz also discusses this. I forgot already in which mitzvah. But the Mirchaz wants this, if I recall correctly, says it's a Gzeris 
It's a of the Rambam may have had some medrash or some limud or whatever, and it's exerus akos of the decree of the Torah that where the ones, the, if the majority survive, also the husbands and the, the wives and the children are also killed alone. Uh, just by the way, the Ramban in Parshas Re'e says mefurish. He brings, he also learns that way that the women definitely go along, but the children he brings different uh, medrash or sifri or whatever which queries about the, the children, but uh, the wives go along like the Rambam says, and actually the Seder Mishnah brings already this Ramban to substantiate the Rambam and say, hey, these two can't be mistaken. Maybe you want to say it's a mistake in the Rambam, but the Rambam also was a mistake. So you're going to make a mistake in the Rambam, the Rambam definitely stands. Uh, now, the Rogachavar learns, why do women and children, let's talk about the women now, right? And that's mainly what's our topic. Why do women go along with their husbands? It's because they are bottle the tuffle to their husbands. In other words, that's the pshat of the Rambam. The Rambam, the logic, the rationale, definitely the Rambam found it somewhere, wherever the mother is, right? But the rationale for it is not a, it's not a decree of the Torah. There's rationale to it, and that is if the husband serves idols and he's meant to be beheaded, so the wife is part and parcel of the husband, so therefore, if she's in the city with her husband, she's also chayiv and she's beheaded together with her husband. Uh, by the way, the Loshin in the Ramban, if I recall correctly, in the Ramban of Pasha Sreh, he also says this, that pshat, that she's bottle to the husband. If I, I think it says so in the Ramban, double check in Re'eh. But the Prichodash himself starts off to say that. He says, ah, there's a Loshin of the Medrash which says, Tvelim, that they're tuffle, if they're, so to speak, they're, 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 they're secondary, they're, they're the part and parcel of them. So he says it's a big doifik to say that should be the rationale. But whatever, the, at the end of everything, the Rogachabra learns definitely that's the rationale. So what the Rogachov does here, he says the same thing in relation to Rachov. If Rachov lived in the city, and she was, would be married, and her husband was a Canaanite, so he would serve, and he was meant to be wiped out, right, killed with the rest, so she would have to, she would be part and parcel of him, like in the case of Hilkas Avedi Zor, Hilkas Avedi Dachas. Even if she doesn't live in the city, she's still talking to her. Here we come, we're coming back. But, well, that's right. Okay, um... Thrown off? Threw me off? No. Okay. So therefore we say, oh, therefore we say she's not married. And therefore it's not a problem. Now, the Rogachover himself in Madura, Tunyana, this is quoted in the, in the section, which is like it's a, a reprint. It's recorded in the, on the Chumash, on the Haftarah. But in the original, in the Madura, Tunyana, he substantiates this. And he learns as follows. He says, even, and this is also by non-Jews, he says. We're talking now, the case of Hilkas Abed Yezor and the Rambam is talking about the city of Jews of survivors. So there we know in Halacha that Ishtar Kigufo, etc., they're all Halachas which tell us that the woman is subservient to the husband, right? But who says by the nations of the world, by Bnei Noyach, the same principles apply? It could be there's, it's a different ballgame, right? They wear the pants, whatever. Whoever says Al Halacha, it's that way. They do wear pants, by the way. Excuse me, I, I didn't mean that. Let's go on. The uh, Iker. So he brings him a furoshigemori. He says, and he says because it's a halach in kinyonim. He says it we're dealing with kinyonim. You with acquisition. We're gedoring with criteria. What is the criteria? It's nothing to do with Jew or non-Jew. What is the criteria? Is a woman subservient to a man or not? So he says, yes, this criteria is found. It's midine kinyonim, and it's also found in Mesichta Eruvidapei. It's a Mefurusha Gemara. Where the Gemara says, when it comes to the halacha of Eruvi Chatseris, right? And if the Jew has to, there's a non Jew Jewish neighbor in a courtyard, right? And the, and the Jew wants to carry, the Eden wants to carry, the Eden want to carry. So they have to be Seicherishus. They have to rent the, the property from the non Jew. Says the Gemara Mefurish. Listen to this. Even if. 
the Gemara says, the, the, what happens in a case, the Gemara speaks, speaks, a case, where a case, yeah, where they approach the, the non-Jew and they want to hire a sage, says, Get Gizunta, I'm not interested. And then they approached his wife. And she <coughs> went for it. She says, okay, I'll go for it. No problem. Right? They give her a couple of bucks, whatever they say for issues. So, says the Gemara, is it okay? Says the Gemara, yeah, it's okay. And then the Gemara goes on and queries by three Amiroim that they ask, that the husband says no and the wife says yes, is it okay? So there's a question there. So you see, there is room for question. But nevertheless, the Gemara concludes that it's okay, and that's the Psakalochat. The Psakalochat in Rambam Hilchas Erevin and the Shulchan Orach Simishim Peibes is that even when the non Jewish husband is not interested, to the degree that he's moichin, he says, I don't want. Never, and the wife says, I mean, I don't mind. Nevertheless, it's okay. She wears the pants. So basically, the Rocket Chopper brings from this Gemara that we see in Kinyonim, right? That she, you can reference it with her too. In other words, so therefore, when the man, the Rekutus Advarim is, that you're saying maybe she's a separate entity, she's now segregated from her husband. No, we see that, that the Rishus can be also depend on her. So basically, whatever goes on with him can go on with her. So the Rocket Chopper says, look, so whatever the Ram says, we deserve for Eden, can also apply to what we want to say in your Rechid. These are all additions. We didn't say Shabbos. And the Mela, therefore, uh, she, yeah, she couldn't be in the city, right? Or she couldn't be married. Couldn't be married. She couldn't be married. Because if she was married, it would be a problem. And that's what the Rabbi Shabbat says. Even being in the wall wouldn't have helped her. Let's go to the city. Let's go to the sister. Says the Rabbi Shabbat, look, she requests to save my sister. What's going on? What happens? They, she releases them. She... She, she t- gets the king of Yericho off her back. She tells them, she, right? She sends them off. She says, go look, they, they ran away. She tells them all what's going on. She ends up letting them down. She makes the deal with them. She says to them, listen, I'm making a deal with you because I was kind to you. I would appreciate, I want you to be kind to me. And because we're all frightened and we're in awe and we're, we don't know where we are of our minds, we know you're going to come and make this conquest. Please save my father and my mother and my sister and my brother. Etc. And do to, to, to reciprocate for what I've done for you. End it. What do they say in direct sequence? Nafsheinu tachteinu lomus that it's either us or you and we're prepared to go along with it. Seemingly, like in the before she explained that she said, the, she verbalized the oath, right? And they basically accept it without saying yes, we accept. But they say nafsheinu tachteinu lomus meaning that yes, it's either your lives or our lives. In other words, we're, we're for it. We're going for it. That's the way the commentators explain. What happens? She lets them, after they hear all of this, she lets, and she tells them where to go in order, tells them all the information, and they feel secure and safe. She lets them down, out the window, down the rope, and as she lets them down, they say, We're absolved from the oath. Now, Certain, yeah, it's I just read it, I just heard it also, We're absolved from the oath. Now, certain Mephorshim want to say, it means, I probably don't recall exactly which Mephorshim, but there are many Mephorshim. There's a Ralban, there's a Barbanel, there's a Malden, there's a Mahamloyes, there's all the different, there's a Dak, and the Rashi, even so there's David. You look, you'll see one of the Mephorshim definitely say it. Most of the Mephorshim say that it really doesn't mean, what does it mean they're absolved? They're meant to say, they're saying as follows, we're adding conditions. We are absolved, and it comes to the sequence. We're absolved from the oath if you will not follow these additional conditions. 
And they add additional conditions. What are additional conditions? That you should not. Listen, you have to give, uh, hang out that tikvas chutashoni, that thread, right? And you add the red thread. And you have to make sure that all your, your family remains inside. You have to keep it a secret. No one should know about it. Because then, as the Mephorshim said, you'll tell everybody about it. So then the whole city will be saved. And you'll come into your premises, etc., etc. So it's between us and that's it. So basically they say, he didn't basically he didn't absolve themselves from the Shavuah. They're just saying, we are absolved from the Shavuah. And, and this, it, because it all depends on the sequence. And I think some of the Mephorshim say, but some Mephorshim, the Rogachover definitely lives that way. The Rogachover says, no, they say we are absolved from the Shavuah. Whatever Shavuah you made with us, we're absolved from it. It's ended. It's erased as if you never said it to us. And some Mephorshim learn that way. I don't care, even no Mephorshim learns that way. The learns that way. And the Pashtas Achumish, they got a, a, a Tanakh, Yeshua Beis, it's very obvious to learn that way. All those who say it know sequence, they're a Chiddush Godel and Epshat. I don't recall exactly who says it, but one of them apart from definitely said it. I don't remember, it's the Rabbanel, the Rabbag, the Udenshish. Some says it, but the Rabbanel is good enough for us. In the Kiyam Onum Shavuah says, they're saying, from this Shavuah, we're absolved. And now we're making with you a new Shavuah. Listen carefully. Why are they absolved from the Shavuah? Says the Rabbanel. For two reasons, they, they are absolved halachically from the shvur. Number one, it is a shvur's own sin. They swore to her and accepted her oath, which they placed, she placed upon them to save her life. When? When they were under duress. What was the duress? They knew if they're not going to give in to her and say, yes, we're prepared to reciprocate, and they're going to say, well, we don't know if we're allowed this, that, we have to speak to Yeshua, we'll have to discuss it. So then they would be in trouble because then she would right away summon the Melech Yericha and tell them where they are, thank you. And then they would be all, yeah, finished. So therefore they had really no choice in the matter. That's number one. That's what saying in the Zahalocha. In Rambam, that by Shuas, this we learn that from Sukkim, right? That an oath which is taken when one is under the rest. right? A vow. So it is not, it's not binding whatsoever. Um, okay. The Rabbi Chavis says another reason. Because there were Nishba Levatele the Gemara says, Mefurashim daf By the Givainim, right? There was this nation, the Givainim, and they fooled the Jewish people, they fooled Moshe, Yeshua, etc., right? And they said they're coming from far, far distant land, and they're not from the, the, the Canaanite lands, and they made the Jewish people swear not, that they won't kill them, and they basically fooled them. So the Gemara discusses it in Mesech daf Memvov, and the Gitosis asks, why is that Shvua, that oath the Jewish people made to them, binding? It is nishba levate lasa mitzvah. The mitzvah says loisachaya kol neshama. Right? You have to mamish eradicate them. Right? That's what the Gemara says. If so, just because they swore to the Gemara that we won't, because they were fooled. But it's nishba levate lasa mitzvah. So when you swear, and it goes against what the Torah says, because you're, if the Torah says you're obliged to do so and so, when you swear because you're under a different, uh, under a different, uh, with different pretext. understanding, with pretext. Pretext. So we say it's not binding. So Taisus reconciles it for the Givonim. But the Rogan Shavar only refers us to this case, this Gemara and this Taisus, where we know that Nishba, when someone makes an oath, when it's Levatala Samitzvah, it's not binding. Now, says the Rogan Shavar, the oath they made, she made to them and makes them accept that, is Nishba Levatala Samitzvah. Why is it Nishba Levatala Samitzvah? Because in her oath, it incorporated as follows My father, my mother, my brother, my sister. My sister. What's the problem with her sister? Now, her father and her mother and her brother and her sister all came from a different town, from some foreign nation, right? Not from the seven Canaanite nations, but her sister says the Rogachava may have been married. And if she was married to a Canaanite, 
You get it? She is Chayiv Misa. She is meant to be beheaded to the, with the rest of the city, with her husband who lives in the city. Listen. And as mentioned before, right? She's Nizbatl. She's bottled to her. Now, even if she's from the other nation, she's bottled to her husband. Now, I, she's Bikira Choyma. She's on the wall. Says the Rogachover. Here we go. Going back to Hilchas Avodah says the Rogachover as follows. You remember we said that wives from husbands who served idols, they are also meant to go along with their husbands. So the Rogachover there is Mechadish, a Chidush God, based on a Sifri. The Rogachover says as follows. You, went, you know when that applies? He says, a person who in principle is Chayiv Misa is meant to be beheaded. So there's no way he'll always be Chayiv Misa even if he runs out of town. But if someone is Chayiv Misa only because he's subservient to someone else, okay? So then if you leave town, he brings a raya from a Sifri. So unfortunately, I don't remember the Sifri with his raya, but that Sifri is a novel pshat from the Sifri. It says that there's a message in the Sifri, so and so. All the Mephoshim say different pshat, and the Rogachover says his pshat. What is his pshat? The message is that when do we say Noshim get killed when the majority, when their husbands get killed? It's only when they're in the city with their husbands. But if they run out of the city or they leave the city, the halacha doesn't apply. Why? Because in essence they shouldn't be chayv. They're not really chayv misa. Minors definitely aren't chayv misa, right? It's only because they're subservient to their fathers. They're part of the father. So they're not near their father. They're out of the city. So they're segregated from the father. It's okay. And even women, even though they're married, etc., etc. So even though when they live in the city, they're still married, nevertheless, because they left the city. So that's good enough. With this, the Rogachover explains in Parashas Vayera, where there it's known, we've discussed it many times, where the Rogachover brings the Talmud Yerushalmi and the Tarot. That uh, that Sdoim was an Iranidachas. Okay? Sdoim has the criteria of an Iranidachas. Now, once Sdoim had a criteria of Iranidachas, so therefore everybody in the city has to go. Lloyd comes into the city, and the Torah says, Says the Rogichov. Why does the Torah have to tell us Lloyd is living, lives in the Shar Sdoim, in the entrance to Sdoim, right? And he's there with his daughters. He has two daughters who are engaged, Rashi says, two married daughters. He's living there with his wife and his two daughters. You know why? Because he's in order that he shouldn't be caught up with what's going on in the city. He wasn't Chayim Misa, but because the whole city, there's a din on the, on the city. That if they would have been living in the city, so there's din which is, which is applied to the whole of the city, so that last was last. It's Hamza, no? But it's Niflo. That's the Rabbi Chava. And the Rabbi Chava says it here in Shlach. You know what the Rabbi Chava says it? The Rabbi Chava says it in his notes. On, a, on two lines, on a fazetz, the note on a Rambam, and he quotes this Lloyd Yeshe Bashar's name, and he elaborates on it in Chumish, and he remembered to put it in here also, Sigut. Anyway, so that's why Lloyd is Yeshe Bashar's name, listen. But nevertheless, so that would have saved him and his daughters and his wife. Okay, and therefore the Malachim said, We're about the thing, you're saved, and well, let's go, let's leave town. Oh, two daughters. The two daughters are engaged, Rashi says, they're engaged. Okay, but they're not married. Listen, but there are two other daughters who are married, according to Rashi, right? It says, Leuchem, no, of Rashi, says there are two daughters who are married. What did the Malachim say to Lloyd? Speak to your sons-in-law that they should leave town. They have to leave town, says the Rogachover. The two daughters who were married to those husbands, right, who were part of the Iranidachas, the married women, for them to be saved, they can't just come and live in the Shah. They have to leave town. You get it? Here comes the difference. Because that's exactly the get. Here comes the criteria of the wall. The wall, according to the Rogachover, is not part of the city, but you're not out of the city. So when you are single, 
right? And you're not subjugated, you're subservient to anybody in the city. It's good enough for you to live in the wall. So therefore, for Rachav right? Or for Lloyd, with his Noisov and his wife, is good enough to live in the wall, right? Because by living in the city, you're not part of the city, you're not subservient to anyone there. Mashaykin of Rachav would have been married. But the, the sister, if she would have been married to a Canaanite, right? The Alderas are the two daughters there. Because the wall is not in the city, true, but it's not out of the city, the Chachavon is free to exempt someone who is married is only when you're out of the city, but not when you're just not in the city. It's not a play of words. It's a Givaldic Hamtzor. It's a Givaldic criteria. Because a wall doesn't put you out of the city. And the heter to exempt you from the Misa is only when you're out of the city. And therefore, no, it's not going to go to hell. He goes. He goes to hell because he's yeah. Chayv Misa B'chol. He's Be'etzim Chayv Misa. No, excuse me. Sorry. The son-in-law is Be'etzim Chayv Misa. The Chayv Misa is Chal on him. The only reason is the daughters, the daughters, the married daughters, right, are because they're subservient to their husbands. If they leave the city, they're exempt because it's no Chayv Misa upon them, in essence, per se. So that's the same goes. So therefore, so therefore, going back to our case, when Rochav Azoyne says and speaks, my sister, right, my sister, look, sorry. <laughs> You want to sit another two minutes? We'll start a new topic. And you're not going to come Wednesday, right? <laughs> but all this addition, this is, is, is this addition? Is this addition? Baruch Hashem. No, the member says, you see, it's all going back because it's my fault, right? Some people, some people remember all the details. No, I'm being honest. I didn't spell all of this out. And it's Porsche. Haflodic, Murdic, it's Givaldic, it's tired. No? Okay? So therefore, when Rochav Azoyne speaks to, to, to the, uh, uh, makes the oath, and in the oath there's a mention of her sister, and it's possible, and she says, he says, save my father, my mother, my brother, my sister, and we'll be in the wall, right? In this home, right? So then it's Nishbalavatel Samitzvah. Because the daughters may be married to the Canaanites, living in Yerichoi. And they're living, and they're married to the Canaanites, living in Yerichoi. For them to be saved, the only way is if they leave the city. Like in the case of the daughters of Lloyd who were married. The Mela, therefore, they are absolved after she lets them go. In other words, when they're no more under her jurisdiction, when she's out of the house, when they're out of the house. And they're let down. They didn't know all the secrets where to run. And no one's going to get them. And she got all, they get all the information out of her. They feel free to say, I'm, we're absolved. But, but. They then make a new shvur. The question is only, says the Rogan Shavar, why do they have to tell her we're absolved? Why is that relevant to her? It's good enough that halachically they're absolved. Right? In other words, they didn't have to keep the shvur. Because the shvur wasn't halachically binding because of the reasons mentioned, right? Why do they have to convey that to her? We are absolved from the shvur you have just made, which we accept. Why? So the Rabbi Chavez says, The Gemara says, The Gemara says, Where Rabbi Yechanan, unfortunately, has a problem with his teeth. It's a Dino. Tzavdino, the Gemara speaks about the Koch Nefoshis, problems with the teeth, right? Taking, uh, being healed or taking medications on Shabbos. Says the Gemara, he approaches this Matru Nisa, this non-Jewish uh, noble woman, who treats him. And he goes, visits, he has a visitation on Thursday, and she treats his 
his illness, his ailment. He treats, she, he visits her Friday, she treats him. Then uh, he says, what's, he's Rabbi Yechon's sister, what's going to be Shabbos? She says, nothing to worry about Shabbos. He says, but I can't make it here Shabbos because I have a shear with my Talmudim. So uh, she says, you know, I'll make you swear that, and I'll tell you the, 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 the prescription, right? I'll tell you what I've done with you, right? The, the, the hocus pocus, not hocus pocus, actually the prescription potion. she gave, the potion, right? Which she gave him and he helped him. And uh, I'll make you just swear that you won't reveal and tell anybody what it is. So he swears to her. He swears to her. He says that, you know, he's taking upon himself that I swear that I won't be Miguel, I won't reveal the potion to anybody. Leaves her. Bye. He knows it now, right? Shabbos in the drosh and Abiyachana gets up. Speaks to his Talmudim, halachas of the Kochnefoshes, and he speaks to them about halachas about healing teeth, and he tells them the potion of how to heal the sickness on Shabbos. Basically, the Gemara wants to convey from this, conclude from this, that you're allowed to take refuse Shabbos in such cases of, of this, this specific ailment. Okay. Says the Gemara, how does he do such a thing? He made a shvua. He made a shvua. Says the Gemara, says the Gemara, he said, Mishtabano leiloke Yisroel. But he didn't say Beloke Yisrael. If you say Mishtabana Beloke Yisrael, if he makes a shvur, I swear in the name of the Lord that I won't reveal it to anybody. That means I'm saying that I won't reveal it to anybody. But if I say I swear in the, to the name of Hashem that I won't reveal it to anybody, it means I won't reveal it to him. But I will reveal it to miners, to commoners, to people, to humans, not to Hashem. Wouldn't it be still a so the Chachil Hashem, she finds out about it. And in Yerushalmi, you take out your standard, uh, uh, your standard, your, your thing, Shas, your art called Shas, and he brings the Talmud Yerushalmi. Some say she committed suicide for that reason. Because uh, whatever, some say Dafka, she converted for that reason. Whatever, they discuss it. Your Talmud Yerushalmi discussed it. It was, it was a major talk in town about this, you know, she was this noble woman, and all of a sudden everybody knows her. You know, you, you, you do, the women don't give out their recipes, you know. Okay, either do I. Okay, so the Iker, uh, Says the Hashem. Says the Gemara. He told her. He told her before Shabbos. He told her. He said to her, "Mefurish, In other words, in his shvu, he made it very clear to her that the shvu I've made now is only to the Lord, but not to all in the name of the Lord. You get it. So he basically highlighted that to her when he, after he swore to her. In other words, after he told, he swore, he tells, she tells him, and he told then the Matrulis on her Shabbos, you should know that the shvu I made to you is so and so. I didn't really mean not to reveal. In order, there shouldn't be no chil Hashem. In order, there shouldn't be a chil Hashem. So basically, there was no chil Hashem. So, and why take it? What's the problem there? Why is there an allowance? Because also there was a problem of it's like a gather of shvuas einsin. He was in a situation where he needed a refuah. He was, etc. It's not so simple this issue, and therefore there are more in Yerudei Semeration on the base uh, discusses cases where you're making an oath under duress, and you have to really examine each case in its own 
in its situation to see when there is an allowance to, to, to say there is a Chil and there's no Chil Hashem. The Shach and Sifkot and Lamed Zayin says that from our Gemara there's not a very good proof to prove that when someone is under duress it's not binding. Like in the case of Rabbi Yechonon when he had a problem with his tooth and he couldn't come Shabbos and he needed the, to be healed. Because there he at least made it clear in his Shavuah even before he revealed the Torah. So he basically specified clearly, he expressed clearly that it's Leloke Yisrael, not Beloke Yisrael. So at least the verbalization of the Shvua, right, it, it, it verbalizes that it's clearly it's not binding, so to speak. So then if he reveals it to others, no Hashem, but not in every case where it's not clear. So the Iker is, in our case, I would believe it follows with all opinions it's okay. Because basically what the Rosh concludes is that that's the reason they had to tell her. In other words, if that will be at the end, at the end, if they would have accepted her, the oath from her, right? And they would have to come in Perik Vogue where it says that they're being saved, right? So what's going to be? They're going to save only all the family and not the sister. So it'll be a Chilol Hashem. So in order, it shouldn't be a Chilol Hashem. They have to tell her in advance. We're absolved that there shouldn't be a Chilol Hashem. And the reason why it's good enough to say it here, even though they seem to accept the Shuan initially, because they were attacked two good reasons, why Bechlot, not just one reason, it wasn't just an Oynes, it was in addition to the Oynes, it's an Ishmael of Atlas HaMitzvah. So according to the Rugged Shover, even according to the time of the Shach, right, that Shuas Oynesin is not a good exemption, but when you have two problems, possibly, which strengthens, each one strengthens the other, this number one Shuas Oynesin, number two Shuas of Atlas HaMitzvah, so then therefore, there is also the Shuan, and that's what they convey to her. What is the Shvuah they then? So according to the Rabbi Shavu, they're now making a new oath, a new Shvuah. What's the new Shvuah? The new Shvuah is, and they say, listen, if you will follow these and these conditions, we will save you. And they say as follows, and therefore they start spelling it out. They start spelling out who we're saving. We're saving your father, and your mother, and your brother, and yourself. No sister mentioned. They couldn't mention the sister, because the sister may have been married to a Canaanite. And therefore there's no way that if she's being saved, it's Nishvah of Atlas HaMitzvah. They can't. This is And therefore, they also highlight very clearly that you have to make sure to remain in this home and don't leave this home and remain in the kir, etc. So you'll see this on Arichas where the, ter- the, the, the Navi specifies, highlights strongly, right? They're very, uh, etc. Where you see that you remain in the wall, so to speak, in order that you shouldn't become this battle to the city. The Rokhachavah says you will see also different terminology. When they make this oath the second time, they say, the first time it says, V'chol asher lohem. When the woman, when Rokhachav is making them swear, they say, my father, my mother, my brother, my sister, V'chol asher lohem. And when they're making the oath, they're saying, the father, the mother, the brother, V'chol beis avicha. The whole base of Vicha, says the Rabbi Shavi. You know why they say the whole base of Vicha? Because the halacha is if you get married and you marry out, so you're not related to your father anymore, right? You're related to your husband. And that's exactly what they want to say to her. They want to say, who will be saved? Only the whole base of Vicha. Only those who are still connected with your father, because you're all from a different nation. So therefore, the wall will protect you. <coughs> and. <coughs> if the sister wasn't married, it wouldn't be a problem, because she's like the father or the mother. So the Rugged Shover doesn't spell out clearly that she was married. He just basically takes it for granted from this, from all, based on everything we said. It seems to be obvious, Ladas, or Rugged Shover, that she must have been married, and therefore all of this, uh, for the, the, the riddle, everything is, you know, works out. That's the, he, discre- he just colors the picture for us. Yeah, it's all, uh, yeah. And, and, the, and if you take a, examine 
Par Perik said, you will see Taka when, oh, so now we can appreciate when Yehoshua tells the Meraglim saver, they say to the Meraglim, Isha Hazoina, not the ploy, Yehoshua says, Isha Hazoina, yeah, because that's what saved her. If she wasn't Hazoina, she wouldn't have been saved. If she wasn't the harlot, she would have been married. If she would have been married, she would have been in the water, gone to the so that's the whole basis, that's the key to save her. So that's why he's highlighting to the Miraglim. And this woman, the Zaino, who lives in the wall, you make sure to save her because all of these things are allowing them to have her uh, remain alive. And you have to find at the end that the only ones they save is and the is not mentioned there. Take out a perigvav and Yoshu, it's not there. The wooden sister is not there. And it all falls into place according to the Robert Chubb going. And uh, what I concluded was that the lesson of today's, of the shear was, the lesson of today's shear was, Shabashir was, that sometimes, you know, you sit on the fence, you say, well, what are you sitting on the fence? Oh, there are, you know, there are hair? No, sometimes if you sit on the fence, it can save your life. <laughs> okay, l'chaim <laughs> v'lavrofa. And if, uh, yeah, we're, no? ready, we're ready now for the Monday shear. And the shear for tonight is as follows. We are going to discuss the machtois. Machtois, the machtois, the fire, the, the fire pans, right? The fire pans, what's going on there? Rashi says that what are we doing with the fire pans? We're taking the fire pans and we're making a sipuilamizbeah, right? We're making a covering. They were, they were of copper. The fire pans were made of copper. And we're making, after they were all, ex, they were, how do you say it? Exhumed, but they were killed, right? The, the, the 250 elders died, right? So after they died, we're taking their fire pans and we're making them as a covering to the, to the copper misbeach. And the Torah says, why? Because they are holy. And Rashi explained that the term used in the Chumash, that they are holy, is not referring to the fire, it's referring to the, to the fire pan, to the pans. If you want to be so kind, open up your Chumash. So this is a preview, okay? Believe it as a preview. Or a teaser, or a trailer, we from those, all the different names we'll use. Okay? Whatever suits you. So in Kairach, Good Zion. Uh, page 828. Uh, not, sorry. Yeah. Uh, uh, page 826. It says, Hashem says to Moshe, tell Elozer ben raise up the machtois, the fire pans from the shreifer, from the fire. The eish zreihola, the fire in them, just get rid of. Ki kodeshu, says Rashi, ki kodeshu, they have been consecrated and sanctified, says Rashi. Take a look at the Rashi, please be so kind. And Rashi says, The fire in the fire pan. Get rid of it. Just, you know, throw it out of the pan. Says Rashi. So, because there's not, no problem with the fire. And the Meshachachma discusses why Taka, there's no problem with the fire. There's no holiness in that fire for whatever reason. Now, now's not the time to discuss it. Says Rashi. Because the Machtois are holy. The machtois, the fire pans are holy. What, what, what did the fire pans contain? The fire pans contain the incense, right? It says before that he says to them, fill it with, uh, with fire, put in fire, fill it with coal, right? And place incense on the coal and bring the incense to HaKadosh Baruch who stand before the oil moed. 
the fact is that HaKadosh Baruch doesn't accept their, their incense, and therefore they die, they get this heavenly death, they're burnt, right? They have the Misa Shreifel, like the Chazal say, that it was the Nishmosom Nisrach, but their goof was kind, they didn't actually get burnt up, but it was just their soul left them, right? And their bodily, bodily they remained. So that's uh, the Misa of Misa Bideh Shamayim, the Gemara says in many places. Uh, and so we're left with the, with the fire pan. So we're saying we make of the fire pan so. So Rashi says the fire pans sure. are holy. Sure. Says Rashi. Rashi goes on to say, this is an important Rashi. Asurim Barano. They are prohibited to derive benefit from. Why? Says Rashi. Shahare Osum Clay Shores. Because they made them Clay Shores. Clay Shores means a receptacle which serves Hashem. Which is a, like all the kalim in the Beis Amikdush are regarded, most of the kalim in the Beis Amikdush are regarded as kleshores. For instance, the menorah is a kleshores. For instance, the mizbeach is kleshores. Uh, for instance, all the, the things needed for the menorah is kleshores. The kiyor is a kleshores. Many different, most of the kalim found, which was served Hashem, and we do the avoider with, right? Are regarded as kleshores. The orin is questionable. The Rogat Shavar learned. That's correct. We discussed that in the past. No, not the Oren, the Kapuris. That's a boy, a fair. The Rogat Shavar claims that the Rambam, the Oren doesn't have a criteria of a Kleshoris because it really doesn't serve any purpose. Masha'enke, the Kapuris, the covering is regarded halachically, and he brings a riot that the Kapuris is Ke'ilu, a separate Kaili. And because, according to the Talmud Yerushal, one opinion of the Talmud Yerushalmi that we. This is. Going back a long time, it's the blood when we sprinkle the blood on your keeper has to actually touch the kapuris, so the kapuris is serving a purpose, so it has a din of a klesharis. Okay, fine, etc., etc. But now, so because this served, we brought the, the, the incense right on these uh, on these fire pans, therefore it has a klesharis. Awesome klesharis. Now the Ramban has an Eisenik kasha on Rash. Now we will. We, what is interesting, there's a response of the Rogat Shavar in this thing, which is to a Yid, a land, a Talmud Chochem in Praga, that is, I think, an, a, a, a suburb of Varsha, that's where Rav Nachman Zembo lived, that's known, he lived in Praga, not Prague in Germany, it's Praga in uh, a suburb, I think, in, of Warsaw, of Varsha. When this Yid asks the Rogat Shavar a kasha, what's his kasha? He has a kasha on a Tshuvah Chassam Soifer. Now, there's a Ramban. I just want to introduce to you the tahalich, the, the procedure, what, how, how we're going to approach this. The Rashi, then there are three points the Ramban says in his commentary on the Chumash. Okay? One is a question on Rashi. The second point of the Ramban seems to be a reconciliation of that question for Rashi, even though I've seen others learn differently, but I think they don't know Pshat. I mean, Pshat should think that's Pshat and Ramban. The Ramban is saying Pshat and Rashi. Then the Ramban says his own Pshat. Okay? Now, on that, there is an interesting Tshuvah Chassam Soifer in Shailas Tshuvah Erechaim Simel Lamed Zayn, where a God will be Israel, he was a Yoshish, an elder of Talmud Chochem, who says something interesting, another Pshat. To the, basically, what is the whole issue? The issue is, how, the, this is the Kash of the Ramban. I'm coming here. I'm just going gonna, gonna to leave you with this, and then we'll come to the Rogat Just, but I think it's just interesting to go with something. At least you'll have what to think about or look into the Bavarish, etc. It was an interesting topic. Kleshoris, how does, asks the Ramban, what's going on here? We have to understand, how does, how did this become a Kleshoris? When you do the avoid, when you do the service to HaKadosh Baruch on the Beis Amikdosh, there's a concept of avoidoson michan choson. When you do the service in the Beis Amikdosh and you have a vessel, 
which serves its purpose, does the purpose which you are obliged to do, right? You're obliged to bring a carbon, you're obliged to whatever, so there's a shaylev, the, the knife is a, is a kleshore, so not, but whatever. All the different avoidance you have to do, and you do it via a keli, right? So that keli, because you're meant to do that avoidance, is done halakhically in a correct fashion, so therefore the kleshore becomes consecrated thanks and due to the avoidance being done with the keli. Avoidance, in other words, even if it wasn't anointed. There are kalim which have been anointed with the anointing oils. But even kalim, we'll discuss it, we'll come to it, yeah? Good, and they forever. But then there are, let's say, kalim which, which we, we have to make additional kalim for whatever reason. So the additional kalim which are made are not anointed with the anointing oils. Says the Gemara, the Mishnah, good. Says the Ramban, the Ramban understood in the Rashi. And that's the way we will understand it, the Rashi. The Rashi says, due to the Asum clay shores, Rashi says that these fire pans are holy. Why? Says the Torah, they're holy. Why? According to Rashi, Kikodesha doesn't refer to the, that's Rashi's definition. The Torah says Kikodesha. The Chumash would say Kikodesha means maybe the fire. Kikodesha says Rashi, no, it goes on the Machto, it's in the fire pans. Rashi says, why? It says Rashi, it's Osoba, no, because something which is of the base that you can't derive personal benefit from, it belongs only to the Hegdish. And Rashi says, why? Share Osum Kleshore is because the 250, Sanhedrin, right? The, the, uh, uh, things made in a Kleshore. With what? Esther It's like someone who is. A, 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 a zor, like a commoner, right, does something wrong in the base of Mikdash. She's Magdash and Balmum Lahavoid. He consecrates something which is unfit, right, in the base of Mikdash to do the Avoid, right, or whatever. Definitely doesn't become consecrated. Says the Ramban, when you're doing something which is totally invalidated, right, this we're just doing to test if they're deserving to become Kohenim or not, right? The fact is, Akkadish Baruch chose Aaron and not the Levite. So the Rashi Sanhedroys, who wanted to, Moshe Rabbi said, good, here, this, this will be the test. If Hashem will accept yours, your, the incense you're bringing, that shows you're a Koyin, what you're doing is right. But if Akkadish Baruch doesn't accept it, it means what you're doing is wrong. So the matter what they've done, their Avoidah they brought was an invalid, invalidated Avoidah. So if so, in what way had, do these Machtes, the firebanks become consecrated? Asks the Ramban and Rashi, doesn't understand. Answers the Ramban. What's the reason the Eden did it? They were Rosh Hashanah Rois, right? Moshe Rabbeinu told them to do it. It wasn't their choice. Moshe Rabbeinu tells them to do it. So the Mela, when they're doing it, they're doing it with the true intent and hoping. They believed, they trusted, that their tiny was a tiny Tzedek, son of Rois, right? They felt that what they're claiming, they have right to claim what they're claiming, and therefore there's room, and Moshe Rabbeinu therefore proposes do this and test it. Let's test it. And they felt, ah, it's a wonderful test. And they were hoping, based on what they believe, that their argument is right. So therefore, they, they'll definitely be successful in their test. But maybe, therefore, says the Ramban, they consecrated these vessels even before they did the service. They consecrated it under all, all circumstances. In other words, so therefore, initially, they consecrated, they expected 100% it's going to happen. The service will be successful and it will be mission uh, accomplished, and Hashem will accept us as the Kohenim. Therefore, they consecrate these. Not the so the Ramban originally learned to the Rashi that the Avoida was Machanech. The Avoida 
brought about the consecration of the vessel. Says the Ramban, we can say Pshat and Rashi is, and I believe he's saying it in Rashi, that when it says Shari Osum Klei Shoris, doesn't mean that the avoid of the service made it a Klei Shoris. It's what they intended and what they expected. So that's with that, wholeheartedly, they made it a Klei Shoris. Take it a Ramban. Then he says, that this is the second Pshat. This is the Pshat of the Ramban. I believe he says it in Rashi. Then he goes on and says, in Bemele, therefore, it's understood that you can make a Klei Shoris, even without, with an invalid, and it turns out to be it was an invalid service, but it remains a Kleshores because it wasn't, the Kleshores didn't depend on the Avoid. Good. It wasn't dependent on the Avoid. The question is only, we know we can make a Kleshores in two ways. It can be a Kleshores made either via the anointing oils or via the Avoid. Now, if there's no anointing oils here, right? And there's no Avoid, so how does it become a Kleshores after all? Fine, we're saying they made it. So, I believe, I don't know if it's a must, but I believe according to this Ramban, we would learn as follows. That, and I've seen in the Sefer quoted, the Sworn quoted, in the, from a Sefer Mikdash David, known from the Rab David Rappaport, who speaks in Yoni Kochim, one of the Gedele Achroinen, and he brings as follows. That the halacha of, that the Meshicha consecrates a Kleshoris, and the Avoide consecrates, the service consecrates a Kleshoris, it consecrates it in total, and that is, they become consecrated, and therefore everything which they do, all the kochim which come in contact with them, become consecrated. In other words, you'll put in a mincha, or soiles, or shemen, or yayin, or dam, right? Anything which is, it serves, so anything which comes in contact with it becomes consecrated. That's the halacha, that's the concept of a Anything which comes in contact with it becomes consecrated like the kleshoris itself. When it comes to a kleshoris which was consecrated, alpeh, without the service, and without the anointing oils, can be consecrated. Except in a limited fashion. It's only consecrated that it needs gniza. That if you say, I want this vessel, should be consecrated to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and for the best of the carbonates, it becomes consecrated. But it will not consecrate and bring about a kedusha on anything else which is placed in it or near it or touch it or whatever, like, when it comes to the avoidant. But the Kedushas Alpeh for Kleshores is Mekadosh according to the Migdash Dovid. It's opinion, his opinion. And he proves it from many places, from many different missionists and halachas, etc., etc. So therefore, possibly, I haven't seen Mephorshim dealing with this Ramban in this respect, but possibly it follows very well with the Migdash Dovid that it remains a Kleshores. And we see what happened with it. I'll call upon him that it remains a Kleshores. At least that we need it. It becomes Sikulam Mizbeach. That we need Geniza. In other words, that uh, it, it still has an like, intrinsic Kedusha, even though it may not spread the Kedusha to other way. also says, this also says, well, not this word I just said, but the general chat of the Ramban, the second chat of the Ramban, the Rechaim also says. Then he says his own pshat. He says, but I appreciate the same pshat as follows. He says, no, the consecration didn't depend on the Rishon and Sadiqim. It depended on Hashem. Hashem consecrated it. And he says, this is the way you meant to read the Pesach. He says, I took out the Ramban, but I'm not reading it in the Ramban. And he says, when it says in the Pesach, it says in the Pesach, the reason they are to be made, uh, so to speak, uh, as a, a covering for them is because So I says, therefore, I can't, Hashem says, I'm consecrating it because I want it to be for a sign for those who rebelled against Moshe and Aaron. Therefore, I'm consecrating these, these, these fire pans in order they should be for a sign against the rebels. That's the, 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 his own pshat, the, the pshat of the Ramban himself. Okay, now, the, I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to end with the cash of the Rogachover, and I'm going to 
I'm not going to say the Rogat Shavuot today. Mir Hashem, yeah. Uh, it's light poshut. Good excuse, isn't it? Excuse me. The Chassam Seifer brings from this Yoshish from Shlomo Segel, and he says, "What's the whole issue over here? It's poshut. How do you have a klishores?" The Rambam says in Hilchas Kleimik the Shperik Aleph that Bizbimei Moshe, all the kalim which were made, were consecrated with the Shem and Amishcha, with the anointing oils. So Bimei, therefore, it's poshut that these fire pans were definitely consecrated. You know how? Because there was the Shem and Amishcha. It's the days of Moshe Rabbeinu. It's together with Moshe. And there is the still existing the anointing oil, the Shem and Amishcha. So the Shem and Amishcha anoints these. So what's the question about? Oh boy. So it's poshut. It doesn't say whether the Ramban is a problem. It's not because of the service. In other words, the Ramban approaches that the whole consecration can only become developed based on the avoider, right? The service. But the Shemana Mishko doesn't, is not taking into consideration. He says, what are you talking about? Oh, in the days of Moshe, we only need Shemana Mishko. That's the only thing which is used. That's the only tool, the only vehicle. There's no other way. <laughs> says the Machsam Sefer, oh boy. He says, Geferch, Starkele Shoenis. He says, oh boy, you're wrong. He says, the halacha would be, and the halacha is, he says, that when it says in the, the halacha is that the kalim she'osa Moshe, mishichosa mikachoson, it's derived from the posok. That only those kalim, which Moshe made in the time of the building of the Mishkan, and were needed for the Mishkan, only those remained, became consecrated with the anointing oils. If Moshe Rabbeinu himself, even whilst he's alive, wanted and needed another keli, there's no way he would be allowed to use the anointing oils to consecrate those vessels. He says, you're mistaken. You're under the impression, he says, that being Moshe, it depends as long as Moshe is alive, and therefore the Shemana Mishka is there, so as long as throughout Moshe's lifetime he can use the Shemana Mishka, therefore you have a good question. So we consecrate Kulisharis with the anointing oils. He says, but you should know you're wrong. Even after Moshe made the first set of Kalim, and he wanted to make it more, it's not going to do any good. And he says, you should know something. The fact is, if he would have entered Eretz Yisrael, it says that uh, the Beis Amikdash would have been built. If he needed more additional Kalim in the Beis Amikdash, like Ashleim HaMelech, he couldn't either anoint them, he would have to use the service to have them consecrated. And then he says that he himself would have built the Beis Amikdash. So it says in the Madrash, he would live forever, whatever. So he says, according to you, Moshe Rabbeinu will live forever, so the Halacha, of Abidosim Mechanchoson is null and void. No way. He says Abidosim Mechanchoson means once after the first set is made, and we derive from a Pasuk, Oisom, only them and no others. And he says, then he says, make a Pasuk Techeshm. And even according to you, he says, do you think Moshe Rabbeinu are going to give these fellows, these Rashnun Tzadikim, right? Sanhedrashi, Sanhedrois, the talk of very influential people, the big Tzadikim, the great leaders. Just because they want to test, because they want to do, and you agree with them, and you advise them, he's going to give them the Shevan HaMishko to consecrate their Caleb in order to figure this out and do this whole thing, right? Etc., etc. And then he says, would they be allowed to, on their own, to get the, even if they had access to the Shevan HaMishko, would they be allowed to do it, to anoint them, their Caleb, or even themselves, and Koirach, etc., has a whole lengthy thing to prove the man. He says, you're wrong. Forget about it. Not just... Is that so? The fact is, not others weren't, weren't able to use it throughout the generations, but even in the generation of Moshe, there's no way to cut. So he says this, so this, in other words, this other option that we thought that we can have a Kalashor is via the Shevan HaMishka is no option. Therefore, we're coming back to the Rashi and to the Ramban. Okay. Now, the Chsam Soifer, listen, the Chsam Soifer, <coughs> the Chsam Soifer brings the Pshat. 
At the end of the Pasuk it says, in that same Shuba, after that, the Chassam Sefer says, Hashem says, you know, I want that these fire pans should remain as a sign of name Mary for those who rebelled, right? To, 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 to have them neutralized throughout the generations. To see if you rebel, that's what happens to you. He says, how does it quiet down the rebels? Asks the Chassam Sefer. People, one can still argue, they'll see the fire pans on the thing, the copper fire pans, they'll say, ah, look what happened to them, right? People will still remain and claim, listen, you know, it could be Kurak was a suitable, right? He wasn't a good candidate, but maybe someone else throughout the ages who may be a suitable candidate against the coin of that day, right? So here, Kurak failed, but why is this good enough sign? It's a good enough sign to show that Kurak failed, right? In his candidacy, right? He was nominated. But maybe throughout the ages, there will be a nominee who is suitable to go against the Koyim. Why is that good enough? Right? So he says, therefore, it says in the Pasuk, Vayikdosh, that these became consecrated, and that's why we made them as part and parcel of the Mizbeach. Right? That's why Hashem says. Hashem didn't just take any place piece of metal and put it on the Mizbeah. He says, because they were consecrated, they were holy, therefore they're on the Mizbeah. Asks the, the some Soifer, why were they consecrated? Why? How did they become consecrated? Because the Eden, these Rashnun Sanhedroys, the 250 the leaders, consecrated them, right? They consecrated them, but it was a, it was a Hegdish al They were Magdish, they consecrated it on condition. What was their condition? They were successful. It would be successful. It should be consecrated. If they're not successful, it should be consecrated, right? So if that's the case, so why? Why? There was a tonight. There was a condition made. They, the condition didn't, didn't live up to the condition. Didn't, didn't, it wasn't fulfilled. So then the consecration should fall away. Anything which you make based on a condition. So if the condition is not fulfilled, so the consecration shouldn't be binding. Why do we say that there is? They are can't remain consecrated. Ah, says the some cipher. But the rule is as follows. If your masna al mashakosov betoira, tno a bottle or mice of kaya. If you make a tnai on something explicit in the Torah, you set a condition. And it's going against something explicit of the Torah, right? The Torah says, when you do so and so, it has to be done in this and this manner, right? Or you have to do so and so. And a person says, I will do so, dependent on this and this, and his dependent, this condition, he's slain, and he's setting, he's going against the explicit uh, order of the Torah. The din is, that his tnai is bottle, right? It's null and void. You can't make a tnai, your masnal, mashakosov, betoris, as the Gemara and Kedushin, tnai bote, right? It's not binding. What happened over here? So he says, ah, that's why Kodesh Baruch says that these fire pans will become part and parcel of the Mizbech because they were consecrated. Ah, you will ask why were they consecrated? It was al tnai. But at night, there were masnal mashakos of You said there should be no consecration, it shouldn't be holy? No. When it, 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 if the night was valid, it shouldn't be holy. Because it remained holy, it shows that the night is null and void. Because the masnal mashakos of what's the night? In what way is it going against the Torah? The Torah says, I'm choosing Aaron. Ah. So Vibald Hashem says, this in itself that it remains consecrated proves to me that Hashem chooses Aaron. You get it? In other words, you can't claim the other nominee wasn't good enough. Because if you will claim that, so then you will still ask and remain with the question, why is it consecrated? 
because it was a consecration on a condition, right? Says the Chassam Soifer, no. The consecration on the condition is null and void because the Torah, you see, it remains consecrated, right? So you see the condition is null and void. Why? Because you must not have a Torah. How? Because it's going against the Torah. There is says, choose Aaron. So from this that we see that it remains consecrated, it shows that your condition is invalid, invalidated, right? Because it goes against the clear explicit thing of the Torah. Torah says, we're choosing Aaron. So this is a good proof that Hashem chose Aaron. That's what Hassam Sefer ends. That's the way I said it. Begindu Shetur Hashem. Hassam Sefer chose Hassam Sefer. Hassam Sefer asks this year to the Rabbi Chover going as follows. And we're concluding with this. Toysve says in Ksubis that when someone makes a Tanai, he's must now a condition against the explicit thing in the Torah. But it's not a personal thing. The Tanai he sets is because he believes it's a mitzvah. In other words, he's not deliberately going against the Torah. He truly believes the condition he's setting is correct and valid and kosher and good. Says Toysmus, it's binding. Even if it's against the Dover before the Torah. So he says, the Ramban just finished telling us in his second shatter for Rashi, the way the Ramban explained the Rashi, that when the Eden consecrated, when the 250 consecrated it, they consecrated, and why did it remain consecrated? It's because Moshe Rabbeinu ordered them to do so. And they thought that it was taken done in a valid way. Ah, they expected Hashem is taken. What, their cheshm was a kosher cheshm? A real cheshm? They met with the members. They said, ah, we, we, what, our argument is good. In other words, they weren't so much, that's so much the rebellious Nikudahed. They, they felt that it's a mitzvah, it's the right thing to do. Everything fits. Moshe Rabbeinu told us to do it. We're going to do it. We're expecting Hashem to fulfill our words. Come to Chuyzim that the tonight they set was not, it's like a master of the Torah, but it's with, with good intention, so to speak. Hashem Shaman, with the good intention of a mitzvah. According to that, the tonight should be Kayim, right? So if that's the case, so the Chassam Seifer's Kasha comes back. In other words, if the tonight is Kayim, so the Hegdish should be null and void. And if the Hegdish is null and void, what does it say that they became part and parcel of the Mizbeach? This is the kasha. This yid asks the rabbi chavar going. Okay, shenik kasha. Guess what? Therefore, not therefore. The rabbi chavar doesn't even deal with it. To my, to, in my opinion, he just approaches it from his perspective, and he learns a total different way. Doesn't learn not like the ramban in his first shot. Not like the Ramban of the second shot. Not like the Ramban of the third shot. Not like the Echsam Soifer. Not like the Seed. He learns that he has his own way. And according to that, there's no cash of the Echsam Soifer. There's no cash of the Ramban. And he reconciles his issues in the Posuk, in different expressions of the Posuk, in Mirza Hashem Wednesday, with additions. <laughs> Thank you. Good night. It's sorry for keeping you. It's Mamash over time. I'm very sorry. It's not a. It's not a